Shall we pray? Father, as we sang, Lord, the ground shook because of your love. Jesus, you couldn't be kept in the grave, Lord. You came out. You rose. And you're alive today. And we thank you, Lord, we live because you live. And we thank you, Lord, for bringing us together in your name. And we thank you for your love for us. Lord, you tell us that you love us just as we are. And repeatedly, though, that invitation has come, Lord, come. Come to me. Come and eat of the table. So we come to you, Lord. We pray that you speak to us. Because unless you speak to us, it's all in vain. So we pray that you would speak to us. Blessed Holy Spirit of God, we welcome you in our midst. We pray that you would come and speak to us. Transform us, O Lord. May our lives be changed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm sure you would agree if I said that life brings its challenges. Right? If you are alive... Life will bring challenges. That's a reality. And challenges are different for different phases of life. When he's a newborn child, the child comes crying, no? screaming. The challenge is different for the child. And as you grow up, as you are in school, you have certain challenges. You might have certain bullies in class or maths, <laughs> which is a challenge for some people. Or whatever. And as you grow, so you get into college, and you wonder what should you study, and you study, you start working, and you face fresh challenges, right? And it never ends. In fact, most of our life is where? Is at work, huh? of the waking hours. And most of our challenges happen at the place of our work. It's every day. It's daily. We have challenges with relationships. People who bug us, you know. Some people just bug us. You know? <laughs> Traffic, ooh, challenge for me always. Uh, finances. Some of us go through financial challenges. We go through health challenges. And maybe it are habits which are gripping us, you know. And you find it a challenge. And that's the reality of life. Whether you're a believer or not a believer, we live in a world with challenges. Now what did Jesus say about it? He said, in this world, you will have trouble, tribulations. He never said that, you know, if you follow me, you'll have no more trouble. No. That's a false gospel. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. But he also said something after that. He said, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Now, that's an interesting statement he's made. He said, you will have trouble, but you are my disciples. And you'll have good cheer. Oh my goodness. We need to ask ourselves, where is the good cheer that he promised? 
in the midst of the trouble and challenges of life. Because what he is saying is, you know, this is not the world he had in mind. God had a beautiful, perfect world in mind. He created a world that was absolutely perfect. Perfect in creation. No sickness, no pain. Perfect relationship between God and between man and woman. Perfect. Beautiful world. No pollution, nothing. But now we live in an imperfect world. Not what he had in mind. And so in this world, we will have trouble. But he says, you can have good cheer because he has overcome the world. How do we have this life of rest and joy? How do we have this cheer? It's not when everything is perfect around us. It's not when everyone is cheering us. But it's when we have Jesus with us. He makes the difference. So he says, I have overcome the world. Your cheer depends on me, says Jesus. And we can have that. That is Jesus with us in the midst of the trouble and challenges of the world. You know, often we yearn and long for a life without trouble. We think that if I finish 10th grade, things will be fine. <laughs> then he say, if I finish plus two, it will be fine. I'll be in college. You know, I'm free now. Huh? If you go into a professional course, things will be fine. The troubles keep increasing, right? Okay, if I start working, things will be fine. If I get into a PG, things will be fine. <laughs> and you find that you can never settle in life. Doesn't happen. Because there is going to be trouble. We yearn for a life without trouble. But then after some time, we get burdened. We get exhausted. We get heavy hearted. And we are ready to give up. And we think that, you know, we lose our passion for Christ. The zeal that we had. The love that we had for Jesus when we became born again. And over time as the burdens of life come. As the cares of the world come. As the pressures of life come. We become negative. We say, no, well, this doesn't seem to work. I had enough. Look at this. Look at what's happening. Look at this person. Look at that happening. I'm fed up. What's the meaning of all this? I don't think this faith life is a reality. We can have that question. And we face that pressure. And we ask, you know, where is the abandoned life? That was promised. Where is the life of joy and power and peace? Where is the fullness of life that Jesus promised that we have? You know what the problem is? The problem is we fail to look at what the Word of God asks us to look at. The Word of God does not tell us, look at the problems of the world. 
or the problems that you face. It, say, it doesn't say fix your eyes on your problems. But it says fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. And often we just get so caught up with our problems but we don't fix our eyes on Jesus who is the author and perfecter of your faith. So we start our journey with him. We start with Jesus. But after some time we get dragged down. We get pulled down. And we get exhausted because our eyes have drifted away from Jesus. And we wonder, where is our first love? How do we live this? But Jesus says that if you are a disciple of Jesus, you will have a life of joy in the midst of the problem. And is that possible? Is that possible? But that is the normal Christian life. The normal Christian life is not a life without problems, but it's a life with joy in the midst of the challenges of life. Now, the question is, why do we not have it? And how can we have it? I was talking to a young man two weeks ago. This man is from Tamil Nadu. He's working with a mission in a different state. And he was put in jail because he was sharing the gospel. He's got a wife, he's a young man with a wife. So I asked him, how did you feel? How was it to be in the jail for just sharing the gospel? He said initially it was tough because they did not allow him to read the word or pray. But I asked him, how did the other inmates deal with you? He said, oh, they already knew me because he had gone there to preach before. So they knew he was a Christian preacher. And he said over time, he started sharing the gospel and people who were condemned to death started turning to the Lord. They started having a prayer group. They distributed Bibles in the jail. And after 64 days, he was allowed to leave the jail on an unconditional bail, right? He still got a conviction there, but he's on bail. And there is a group there carrying on. So we're telling, I'm in the jail. Now what else can they do to me? Put me in a jail, in a jail? I don't care. And you should see the joy in this man's face. And the Lord used him. And after he came out, he went back in again to preach the gospels. People say, how can he go back and preach? You know, he's been convicted. He said, no, the jail authorities gave him permission to do that. Now, where does that joy come from? Why is it that we don't have that joy? I was really challenged by his story. So how can we live a life of rest in the midst of the burdens and challenges of life. And that is what I want to deal with today. When we live our daily life, how can we be restful in the midst of all the problems that we have? I just want to read from Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It talks about three things. 
He talks about the person of rest. He talks about the process of rest. And he talks about the promise of rest. Now I need to clarify what rest is. Rest is not in a being on a couch, watching TV, watching a football match when there is a lot of trouble around us, trying to run away from the trouble. No, that's not rest. Rest is not running away to a mountain and saying, I had enough of the world. I want to run away. I can't deal with this world. Rest is not going into a cocoon and saying, I can't handle the world. Or I will start moving when every problem goes away. No. Rest is not saying, you know, I'll be in my comfort zone. You know, I don't want to step out to the courage zone that the Lord is calling me. I'm happy here. I'm peaceful. Lord, leave me alone. That is not rest. Rest is living an active and productive life. The abundant life. Is engaging the world where the Lord has called you to be. Engaging it with a quietness that comes from inside. Because of the rest that Jesus gives you. That is the rest that he's talking about. Rest is for Jesus on the cross. Hanging there. Nails on his body. Bleeding to death. But he was at rest. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's the rest that the Lord is calling us to. An inner quietness. Even as we engage the world. Even as we engage the problems and troubles of the world. So what does Jesus say about having this rest in our lives? You know, he looks at people. He looks at people who are heavy laden. Burdened. And he says, come to me. Come to me. Rest is not the absence of trouble, but is the presence of a person. It is the presence of Jesus. Christian life is not about a religion. It's not about a denomination. It's not about rituals. It's not about something that we do on Sunday. It's about a relationship. And he says, come to me. It's about Jesus. And without him, we are dead. We are dead. It's like dead wood, you know. We just float. And when the waves come, you know, they batter us. When the trouble comes, they are shaken. But Jesus says, you get rest when you abide in me. And that is our first call in life. To love him. And to abide in him. And to walk with him. So when we face the pressures of life. When we are confused. And often we are confused. We don't know what to do. When you are angry. What is life doing to me? When you are anxious. When you are afraid. And when we are upset, and when we feel lost, or when we feel broken, Jesus says, come to me. You need to go back to him. 
with your brokenness and your confusion and tell him, Lord, I am burdened. Lord, I feel the pressure of life. Lord, I can't handle this. Lord, this is too much for me. Lord, I have questions which are not answered. Lord, why am I going through this pain? Why is life so hard, Lord? And you go back to him and say, Lord, you said come to me. And I come to you. And I come to you. As someone said, you know, if God seems to be so far away, guess who moved? He did not move. He's waiting. And he says, come to me. Okay, I know that you have these problems, but come to me. So the first step, the first step to handle the pressures of life is to go to Jesus, is to give our lives to him. Now that's not enough. You know, as believers, we have had an encounter with him. We have known him, we've given our lives to him, but it is not enough that we begin this journey. We need to continue this journey because Jesus is talking about a process that must happen in our lives. You know, if you've seen this life savers, if somebody is sinking, no? you, you see this life saver, this round thing that they put it on their neck. They don't think, oh, I got this burden on my neck. No. It's something light that will help you to float. And that's what Jesus is telling us. Look, you're walking with this burden on your shoulders. You know, we feel the burden on our shoulders, right? And he said, you don't have to live like this. You don't have to. Come to me, I'll give you something else. I will put something else on your shoulder which will take away the burden on you. And it will make it easy. So he offers this yoke. He says, come and take what I'm giving you. And he offers this yoke which he says is easy. And it's light. And we have to do that. So I want to just share a few things about the yoke. The yoke that Jesus gives. What happens to us when we take the yoke of Christ on our lives? He asks us. He invites us. He instructs us. Come and take my yoke. And if he is offering something good, something, it must be good. If Jesus is telling here, I'm giving you something, come and take it. It must be something good. Now what happens when we take the yoke of Jesus? One, it is the yoke that cleanses us. When we go and take the yoke of Jesus, that means when we walk with him, when we take every step with him, two things happen in our lives. Number one, we walk in step with the Holy Spirit. Because he is the spirit of Jesus. So as we take his yoke and I say, Lord, I'm committing my life to you. And I'm walking with you. And I want to walk taking your yoke. You see the spirit of God, the spirit of Christ coming on us. And what happens when we walk with the spirit of Jesus? Galatians 5.17 says, walk in the spirit and you will not satisfy the desires of of your flesh. 
He leads us in a walk of purity and holiness. Holiness does not come by our willpower, no. It cannot. We don't have the strength to be holy. But holiness comes as we walk with the Holy Spirit because he empowers us and he cleanses us. The word of God says that he has removed the yoke of burden from our shoulders. He breaks the power of sin. We might have been burdened by some sin which has bothered us for years. By some sin which is pressed on us. You know the word of God says he who sins is a slave to sin. And that was written to believers. Not to unbelievers. That is part of Paul's letters, right? When we sin and when we are enslaved by sin and we feel that we cannot break this sin as we take the yoke of Jesus, the Spirit of God comes on us and he breaks the power of sin. Because as the word of God says, it's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit says the Lord. That's why Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And how does that become a reality? How does Christ live in us? Now we know it, but how do we experience it? We experience it when we take the yoke of Jesus and we walk with him. So we need to, when we get up in the morning, we need to say, Lord, I cannot handle my life today. And I don't want to handle my life today. I want you to handle my life today. And I willingly submit myself to your yoke. And then we will see how we can become holy vessels for the Lord. The second thing that happens when we walk with the Lord, when we take his yoke is, we are warned when we sin, we lose our peace when we sin. Because if we live in a world that is stained by sin, that is muddled by sin, and often the, 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 the margin between what is right and what is wrong is blurred. And as we take his yoke and as he walk with the Spirit of God, he will warn us, he will restrain us, and he will correct us. You know what's the difference between Satan and the Holy Spirit? Satan condemns us. But the Holy Spirit convicts us. Satan will say, you are no good. You call yourself a Christian. Look at your life. You're messed up. But the Holy Spirit will say, son, daughter, you have fallen. Come back. I want you to live a life that is full. I want you to have that abandoned life. And you need to change in this. I will come and help you. And as we walk with the Lord, he breaks the power of sin and he also removes the pain of sin in our lives. So the yoke of Jesus cleanses us because it helps us to point us to the sins in our life and to point us to the blood of the Lamb, which cleanses us. The blood of Jesus that speaks better than that of Abel. Hallelujah. And we can go back to him. So you might think, you know, 
I've strayed far away. I've gone too far away. I've done stuff which it's not easy for me to come back. Maybe you think, you know, when I was earlier, my heart was on fire for Jesus. And I was in the worship team or whatever. But I don't have that zeal now. Because I have made mistakes, I have done things which are painful. But the Lord says, as you walk with him again, the blood of Jesus will cleanse us from every sin. Hallelujah. The second thing the yoke does is it guides us. Now I know that one of the challenges we all face is, what do I do with life? What do I study? Where do we live? What do I do? What kind of work should I take? Where should I work? How do I spend my time? How do I choose my career path? A lot of questions. And the world tells us, you know, sit and plan, you know. How is the economy? Where are the job opportunities coming? Where can you make maximum money? Etc., etc., etc. And we, have, we are asked to plan out our life. What job will make you comfortable? How can you have security in life? That's what the world is searching for, right? What does the word of God say about it? What does Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and then choose your path? No. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. That's an amazing promise. The creator of the universe saying, you know, you don't have to worry about your career and your future. You trust me. You walk with me. And I will open the door for you. I will tell you where to go. Now, what more guarantee do you need? You know? Can the richest person in the world give us this guarantee? No. So he tells us, come and take my yoke. You commit every aspect of your life to me. And when you do that, we are telling, Lord, you are responsible for my life. Then it doesn't become about our life. It becomes about his life. One of the things I'm learning to do this is give ownership to Jesus. I had a department. So I told him, Lord, this is not my department. This is your department. So when there is a problem, I'm telling him, Lord, you have a problem in your department. Now you tell me what to do. Takes the burden off my life. And we need to look at life that way. Lord, like, you know, you called me to do this course. I did that when I did my DNB. Lord, you asked me to do this course. I don't have time to study because work is busy. You tell me what to study. And he told me what to study. And he told me how to prepare. You know? In 2010, uh, Mary got, uh, my wife Mary got a, uh, applied for a PhD in Melbourne, Melbourne University. So the, the, because God gave us a promise that the vision will come to pass from Habakkuk. So we gave the application, we got the letter from the university, your PhD proposal is accepted. The tuition fee is 125,000 Australian dollars. We said, praise the Lord. Fantastic. If this is from the Lord, it's peanuts for him. If it is not from the Lord, we don't want it. 
Praise the Lord. So we prayed. So a professor there, whom I have met once, we don't know him. We came to know him through the internet. He has not seen Mary yet. He went to the university. Usually they give a free remission to people who study in Harvard, Yale, and all those things, you know. He went and fought and said she needs a free remission scholarship. And she got a free remission scholarship. Why? Not because we are great. Because the Lord has a plan. And when we acknowledge him, he will work. Because this is not about our lives. This is about him and his kingdom. We must realize that he has planned things even before the beginning of time. That's what Ephesians 2.10 says. No, God has prepared things for us to do. And he does that. So we don't have to fear. We don't have to fear what's the future going to be. But we must say, Lord, what do you want me to do now? And I will carry you now. So when you are stuck, not knowing what to do, take the yoke of Jesus. Submit to your, your life to him. And give your life to him. Or if you have multiple choices, should I go here or there? Or should I stay? Don't make a choice that will take you away from the yoke of Jesus. Because if you do that, then you are on your own. When I take a decision, knowing that this is what the Lord wants me to do, then I have a guarantee that he's going to back me up. You know, But if I say, okay, Lord, that is your yoke. I don't want it. I'll go my way. I'm asking for trouble. Because I'm trying to handle life by myself. This is the most foolish thing I can do. Because there are so many unknown unknowns in life. But there is one who knows everything. And the word of God says his wisdom is unfathomable. The depth of wisdom of God. We cannot fathom it. We cannot measure it. And if he says, come, follow me, and I will lead you, he will do it. He will do it. Now, if you have made a mistake, he is a God of mercy. We all make mistakes. We all make mistakes. But he is a God of mercy. And you can, you can always go back to him. Go back to him, saying, Lord, I made a mistake. I want to come back. So he cleanses us he guides us through his yoke, but he also comforts us. Because he says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Now I'm sure that you will agree if I say, there are certain things about us that only we know. The pain in the depth of our heart. The struggles we go through. Only we know. But there is one who sees our spirit. Because when we are born again, our spirit is joined with the spirit of Jesus. Amen? And he feels our pain. He feels our pain. You know that song, you know, I felt every teardrop when in darkness you cried. It used to be a favorite song for me many years ago. Because he sees that. 
when we sit alone and weep nobody else may see it nobody else may know it but he sees it and he feels our tears and i was talking to this lady last week who came to my clinic she is a believer there's a lady who had difficulty with sleeping along with headache and other things she's a widow or her husband left her something so three children all drunkard and so that's bothering her you know she's not able to sleep and uh, she's obviously upset about it she goes to church she's a believer it's really sad so i told her look all of us have trouble why don't you go home the lord sees your pain and pray to him and i said look stand on the word the word of god says you and your household will be saved her face brightened up praise the lord that's the power of the word of god no the word of god can encourage us but the lord sees our pain and he comforts us we live in a broken world and sometimes the world breaks us and sometimes we go through times of pain but we have jesus but we have jesus and the word of god says cast your burden upon the lord for he cares for you he cares for you remember that the yoke of the world is heavy but the yoke of jesus is light it will comfort us jesus will comfort us he sees our pain and he is there out there and you know why you know when he take his yoke you know when the yoke there are two you know if you see the oxen there are two yokes you know? and the two oxen they share it and so when we are under pain and pressure and when he says take my yoke he actually shares the the pressure he actually takes the pain he takes the pressure off us so are you in need of comfort today maybe you are going through a season of pain and struggle and question or maybe someone close to you is struggling and you are having this pain maybe you are in a situation where everything looks lost and you feel there is no way ahead but we may not have all the answers but we have jesus we have jesus go to him and take his yoke and pour out your heart to him so the problem is we should not see the yoke as something that will restrain us or you know something that will limit us it is actually something that will free us and take our burden so the yoke cleanses the yoke guides and the yoke comforts us but is also strengthens us there are a lot of studies which have shown that people are getting more and more exhausted these days we thought this will make life easier <laughs> but it's made life more difficult we seem to have less time right we are so busy and one of the problems is you know mary was telling about the studies which show we do multitasking you go from one to another duck 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 you know actually we can't do that the brain can only handle one thing at a time our minds are getting exhausted 
our bodies are getting exhausted. We are trying to do too many things. And if you are doing a postgraduate course, it's very exhausting sometimes, right? But we have a promise. If we decide to live with Jesus, if we commit ourselves to what he wants with our lives, if we commit ourselves to walking step by step with him, having no agenda other than the agenda of the one who bought us, he will strengthen us and he will equip us. As one missionary said, where he leads me, I follow. What he feeds me, I swallow. Simple life. Huh? <laughs> because he will feed you when you follow him. He will feed you with strength. Lack of energy is a common problem. But he will strengthen us when we follow him. But following Jesus is not just coming to Sunday church. It's not just about reading your Bible in the morning. It's following him throughout the day. It's following him step by step. Now I've been doing this um, uh, course on mindfulness. You know, Now mindfulness is not a Christian thing. They talk about being focused on the moment. That means if you're doing something, you're focused completely on that. And how meditation, according to them, will help. But the problem with that is in meditation, you have the mind and the body, but you don't have the spirit. But you don't have Jesus. So mindfulness with Jesus is a fantastic tool. And there are good exercises which help you to focus on what you're doing. And we need to do that during the day. They talk about taking a coma break, you know, putting a coma. You might be doing something. Take a one-minute break. A one-minute break. When you just become mindful, hey, what am I doing? What am I, what am I seeing? Being aware of it. And, and also, very importantly, where is Jesus? You know, you are seeing a patient. You are in between patients. I try to do this in between patients. You know, you're waiting for the next patient. Take a one-minute break. Jesus, thank you that you are here. I pray for the next patient that was going to come. Give me wisdom. Give me strength. And you take a 30-second or a one-minute comma, it will keep you going throughout the day. It will keep you going. In fact, there are one minute or uh, one hour alarms that you can put on your mobile. There is an app called Blip Blip, which every one hour or so, whatever you can program, it will go blip blip on your mobile. Like and be reminded, oh, it's time to think about Jesus. <laughs> so that work is not just dry, heavy rush through the day. But work is working with Jesus. And for Jesus. It's not just monotonous labor that you do. And you can do that. You can take a Bible verse in between and look at it and remind you. You will see the power of God coming into your life. And your life will change. We need to focus. We need to focus. I'm reminded of this tennis player called Michael Chang. You know, this is years ago, more than 20 years ago. Michael Chang was only 17 years old and he was playing 
the French Open final against Ivan Lendl. Now, Ivan Lendl is not a grass court player. He is a clay player, clay court player. And French Open is on a clay court. So he's playing against the number one at that time. And he's unseeded. Michael Sang got so exhausted, he couldn't lift his racket to hit the ball. So when he served, he actually served like this. He was that weak. But he won the match. And I still remember seeing live the post-match interview. And he said, you know, he's a Chinese guy, American Chinese. He said, I thank my parents for making good Chinese food. But most of all, I thank the Lord Jesus for being with me. Praise the Lord. He got strength from Jesus. And he's, he's all out for the Lord, you know. He's got a ministry now. He's, of course, retired. But he's got a ministry. But everywhere... He would talk about his faith in Jesus. And that strength sustained him. Because for him there is no division of the secular and the spiritual. It's all spiritual. Your work is spiritual. Your study is spiritual. Because you are involving Jesus in that process. And you work and live with him and for him. As we read in the word, in a, by you, I can run against a troop. By my God, I can leap over a wall. Psalm 18, 29. So what's a wall that you are facing? What's a troop that is coming against you? Your God is stronger than that. And he will give you strength. You know, sometimes he removes the problem. Sometimes he takes you the problem, through the problem. Sometimes he opens the, the Red Sea. Sometimes he equips you to fight the battle. And we should be ready for both. Because he makes us strong by taking us through some battles in life. Because he wants us to be prepared for bigger things. As the word of God says, I can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens me. How does the strength come into us? You can't have that strength by eating biryani. No, you can't. The strength comes from the Lord. And we need to take his yoke and walk with him and submit ourselves to him. And we'll experience his strength. Then we don't live normal, natural lives. We live supernatural lives. You look at the life of David, you know. The strength that David got to, to kill Goliath from the Lord. We can get that. The strength that Joseph got to have his integrity and to thrive in the prison is available to us. The strength that Daniel had to stand before the, the lions and still being faithful to the Lord. We can have that. The strength that Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego had is available to us. The same Lord will strengthen us. As it is written in Romans 8, 11, But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Do we believe that? See, when we become born again, our body remains the same. Our mind is also there. But our spirit joins with the spirit 
of Jesus. We actually become hybrid. As someone was telling me recently, we become a new creation. We become almost a new species. Because we have something in us which ordinary human beings don't have. Because we are the spirit of Jesus in us. We have the Holy Spirit in us. And he is there to strengthen us, you know. Our mere mortal bodies can be transformed by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me read Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isn't that amazing? The God who created the universe saying, I will strengthen you. I will help you. We have some high connections, you know that. We have the Lord, the creator, telling us, I will strengthen you and I'll uphold you. Now, how can we experience this again? We experience it as we yield to him. As we yield to him. As we walk with him. As we choose every day to take his yoke. Then we will experience the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But it means a constant coming back to him, no? Because our mind wanders away. We are human beings, we are fallen. Our spirit goes away. Let it come back. Lord, I come back. I come back to your yoke, Lord. I come back to you. Through the day, through the week, through the years, <clears throat> the more we walk with him, the more our life becomes full, abundant, productive, thriving, not just existing, but living the full life because Jesus has promised us. And the yoke also restrains us. The yoke trains us. The yoke restores us. The yoke also gives us rest. And that is the promise he has told us. That when you take my yoke, you will find rest for your souls. And we need to ask ourselves, in the busyness of life, in the midst of the troubles of life, do we have rest for our souls?